This is an ABC podcast. I got very frightened because I thought, how could I have lost all those hours in my life and not know why? I kept on saying, where am I? What's happening? Where am I? What's happening? I had zero recollection of anything that was happening to me. I had no idea who I was. I think that's the day that I lost from my memory and I'll never get it back. Hello and welcome to The Health Report with me, Norman Swan. Today, a special feature about a strange and puzzling brain dysfunction that can affect well over a thousand Australians each year. Imagine if you're fit and healthy and you suddenly lose all memory for a number of hours without warning. Neurologists call this condition an enigma because they don't know what causes it. And one person who's been investigating this baffling condition is documentary maker Dasha Ross, who's trying to find some missing hours in her life. So this is her story. On Sunday, March the 1st in 2020, I lost my mind, not just for a minute, but for an entire day. I have no memory at all of what took place and never will. What happened and why remains a total mystery to me. I've only got second-hand memories of the day in my life when my brain froze. I only know what my daughter Lola told me happened, and I need her to tell you. A friend phoned, and she said, I think you need to go and check on Dasha, there's something a bit strange. Apparently I phoned this friend four times in 10 minutes, asking if I was meant to come to dinner that night. I don't remember any of this, but Lola rushed over to my place. So I came through the door and realised that Dash was very agitated and she's not a very agitated person on a normal day. And she's pacing around, well-dressed, for prepared for dinner. She'd gotten that far, but I think it was at this point that something had switched and she couldn't quite remember where she was going or what she was doing. And now comes the really awkward bit. My lover called and Lola answered my phone. And it was this friend saying, I've left as of 20 minutes ago, but I think that Dash is having a stroke. And this man, who Lola's never met before, comes back to my apartment. So Dasher at this point being really agitated, marching around the house, had a memory cycle of perhaps about 15 seconds. So kept saying, Have you guys met? Would you like to sit down? Would you like a drink? And we're trying to give her a drink. And we're trying to get her to sit down, but I think we were introduced about five times in this time. They called an ambulance. But we did then have a very mother-daughter argument about Dasher just bought a beautiful pair of red suede shoes. She was very pleased with. She was obviously going to wear to this dinner that she had been intending to go to. But just as Lola predicted... The new slingback shoes kept slipping off as we hurried down the stairs to meet the ambulance. The paramedics arrive and it's the Mardi Gras weekend so they had all these fantastic sparkles on the front of their ambulance with pom-poms. Apparently these guys were really nice and persuading me to go to hospital where I didn't want to go. They said I could keep my shoes on. I remember nothing about this but strangely I can see it all happening now as if it's my actual memory. But I know it's only because of what I was told afterwards. And it was in that moment that she sort of clocked, she was in an ambulance, what was going on, why were they in an ambulance, why were we in an ambulance? And then there would be a beat 
and she'd go through these processes again of the how, what, where, why, but particularly how she got really fixated on how, because obviously she'd worked out in her mind she was losing moments of time or periods of time and had no recollection of how we got there. Six hours after being admitted to emergency, I was catapulted back into reality with a shuddering thud. I was given an excruciating lumbar puncture test after blood tests, a CT scan, an EEG test and an MRI all done to rule out a stroke or viral brain infection. Bizarrely, my first memory was seeing a man in prison greens shadowed by a bored police escort on the other side of the emergency ward framed by fluttering Mardi Gras rainbow flags hanging off the ceiling. Surreal. There was a fantastic nurse and she said, look, if this isn't a stroke and this isn't viral, it could be dashes in the realm of this thing called TGA. And that was in the middle of the night before most of the test results had come back. It turns out that the nurse was right, but it took everyone else three days to confirm that the diagnosis was TGA, transient global amnesia. Now, I'd never heard of this before. I was told by the doctor that it was a neurological enigma, but there was nothing to worry about and I should just carry on doing what I was doing. This left me frustrated and burning with curiosity to find out more about this medical mystery. I discovered there were other people who'd experienced the same thing, some quite well known. I apparently received a phone call from the Minister of Health asking me to give a talk, which I said yes to. I had no memory of that. Professor Fiona Stanley, the eminent public health researcher, had a TGA episode six years ago. So when I came to... I had this very odd sensation that the last four or five hours were completely gone from my memory, completely. And then when my husband came home, I got very frightened because I thought, how could I have lost all those hours in my life and not know why had I had a stroke? I mean, I'm a medical practitioner. I'd never heard of uh, temporary global amnesia ever. And I was very frightened. I thought... Does it mean I've had a stroke? Does it mean I'm going to have one? Is it a risk factor of something else? I rang my GP, who's a close friend, and he immediately said to me, oh, you've had temporary global amnesia. I said, what? And he only knew about it because his father had had it about six months before. What happens in transient global amnesia is the person concerned suddenly loses their memory. Typically, if you're talking to them at the time, they will appear confused and disoriented in a way because they can't remember where they are or how they came to get there or what day it is. Dr Chris Butler, Associate Professor of Clinical Neurosciences at Oxford University and Imperial College, London. And often, because they have not only lost memory for what's been happening to them recently, but also they can't take on board new information and retain it for any period of time, so they can't learn new things, they, they ask these questions repetitively. But what's striking is that despite that profound loss of memory, they're otherwise quite functional, quite well. So it's not as if they're experiencing any pain or they haven't lost the use of any body parts if as if you know people who've had a stroke and their appearance is normally pretty much as normal it's this very focal loss of memory and this sort of repetitive questioning that characterizes it and makes it sort of separate from 
almost all other neurological conditions that we know of. In my own case, I lost my memory for over 12 hours. Typically, these attacks only last for a few hours. So, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight hours. And then they resolve spontaneously. That's why it's called transient global amnesia, because it doesn't last for a long time and it resolves on its own. But I needed to know why did this happen to me? I asked neurologist Dr. Susan Tomlinson at the St. Vincent's Clinic in Sydney, what sets off a TGA? The triggers are often considered something that causes an extreme stress, which can either be a physical stress or an emotional stress. And often these also have an abrupt intensity to them. Probably the majority of patients, perhaps three quarters or more, will have an identifiable trigger. The emotional triggers can sometimes be happy triggers, such as the announcement of, a, of the birth of a child or, or a negative trigger, such as an argument with a family or friend or the uh, announcement of a, of a death in the family. Similarly, intense physical exertion, something like mowing the lawn vigorously or even sexual intercourse can trigger an episode of TGA. And one of the other interesting triggers that's very well characterised is often an abrupt change in temperature. So, for example, if someone dives into a cold pool of water or walks into a hot sauna, that abrupt change of temperature for some reason also appears to be a trigger for the, for the TGA. This was the summer of 2019 and I was down in Cornwall which is off the southwest coast of the UK and swimming in the sea with my wife. Medical journalist Dr Michael Mosley describes what happened when he took a dip. It was quite chilly in the water, nothing special. We had swum out to a buoy and were swimming back to shore and the last thought I had was I'm going to beat Claire to the shore and the next thing I know I'm in casualty and I'm just sort of coming to. And Claire said that when I got to the shore, I got out of the water and I looked completely bemused. And then she came out as well and she said, what's wrong? And I kept on saying, where am I? What's happening? Where am I? What's happening? She worried that I'd had a stroke or something like that. She's a GP and she'd obviously not seen anything quite like this before. And so she took me along to the nearest A&E department, the nearest casualty department, and that's where I started to come to. And apparently throughout that time, I kept on saying the same thing, which is, where am I? What's happening? It was still a bit of a mystery. And then uh, a senior colleague came along, and we had a chat. He said, look, I know what this is. It's rare, but I know what it is. It's this thing called transient global amnesia, that the shock of the cold water has caused you to lose all your memories and you display all the characteristics of it because you're starting to recover your memories, going to discharge you from hospital, and within six to eight hours, we'd expect you to fully recover your memories. And by tomorrow morning, this will be nothing but an unpleasant memory. And it turns out that like Fiona Stanley and like me, the renowned TV doctor had never heard of TGA before. No, I hadn't. Not at all. Obviously, I started to read fairly, you know, a lot about it. Afterwards, I met up with the neurologist I know, and I described my symptoms before telling him what it was. Um, and he immediately knew what it was, or at least he guessed what it was. And as I said, he said he sees, you know, maybe half a dozen cases. And he explained to me what the mechanism was, or at least what the likely mechanism is. And he said it's not just immersion in cold water, although that's quite common, but you can also get it after sex. 
and after a hard workout that's also possible, but again, very rare. And he said the likeliest explanation is when you are in cold water, you do this sort of what they call a valsalva maneuver, which is essentially where you sort of are holding your breath, but at the same time, uh, your chest is sort of expanding. And anyway, the net effect is that the blood flow reverses temporarily. So the blood flowing to and from your brain temporarily reverses. And um, a part of the brain called hippocampus, which is where memories are sort of stored and processed, gets a sort of sudden whack of blood more than it's expecting. And uh, bits of it switch off. And so it's this change in blood flow, which is the trigger. The impact is on the hippocampus, and the net effect is that your memories all go. The, the effect is temporary. The hippocampus recovers, and um, as it does, so do your memories. So that's kind of seems to be the mechanism. Weird. <laughs> so orgasm would trigger it. That seems to be the theory. But as I said, cold water seems to be the, uh, uh, the most common one, but sex certainly is on the list. Now, I haven't told you yet about the trigger for my TGA. Before landing in emergency, I'd spent the afternoon in bed with my lover, and he must have been so good, he literally blew my brains. Sadly, I don't remember any of it. So who knew that sex could be dangerous? Well, certainly to wipe your memory. <laughs> who knew that? By now, I'm discovering that I was a member of a strangely elite global club, Facebook has a page for everybody, including an international members-only transient global amnesia group that listed 1,700 people. On one day, one post drew 37 comments by people who agreed sex was the reason for their TGA. The post asked whether their TGA health scare stopped them having sex. No one had. Before we get started, backstage, you and I were talking a little bit, and you had a real health scare not to... He's fine, yeah. but you had a real scare a few months ago. On YouTube, I came across a clip of another international club member, Jeff Probst, the American TV host of the show Survivor, talking about losing his mind. I had this really weird thing. Short version is I'm booking travel for my wife and I to go to Vegas, and it gets to your wife's birthday. And I went... What is my wife's birthday? And I, I couldn't figure it out. I had zero recollection of anything that was happening to me. I had no idea who I was, you're, where I was. Wow. You're kidding. I even wrote a note. I was telling Ryan this. On my laptop, I wrote a note that said, for our records, I have no idea why I'm wearing these clothes. I have no idea where our kids are. I have no idea what day it is. I have no idea why I'm writing this. And then a little later, I type, I just read this, have no memory of writing it. <laughs> So I end up going and finally seeing a neurosurgeon the next morning who figures out that what I had for three hours, I had absolutely no memory, don't know what I did during those three hours. And he said, it's called global transient amnesia, TGA. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and uh, it's just what happens. And you it was a one-off. You haven't had another right. Did you issue. have a brain scan? Or I did. I did an MRI. In fact, right before I did the MRI, my memory came back. And it was like that quickly I went... Oh, wow. I'm back. When I got, you know, sober, like when right. I could think, right. I hit the elevator belt to go up to get my MRI, and I had a moment of, wow, what if, because I didn't know what it was at that point, I went, what if this is it? Like, what if this is early dementia? Or I, wow. you know. Now, hearing the word dementia was very, very scary to me. Could TGA cause it? 
There's no evidence that TGA is associated with increased risk of stroke or of dementia. But Dr Chris Butler of Oxford University did say... People who've had a TGA are more likely to be people who have migraine headaches than people who have not had TGA. So there has been you know, quite a long suspicion that there's something similar about TGA and migraine. But of course, you know, migraine is something that occurs frequently and often, whereas one of the really striking things about transient global amnesia is that it's usually a one-off. It does recur occasionally in some people, but not very often. But I found my short-term memory was definitely affected for weeks and months after my TGA. This really bothered me. It's nothing like a dementia. It's much more subtle than that. The reason I spoke to Dr Laurie Miller, neuropsychologist and senior clinical lecturer at Sydney University, was that everyone told me I was okay, but I knew I wasn't. What can happen is that days down the line, some people, or even sometimes weeks down the line, can find that their memory has not really returned to its previous state, that they're still having trouble remembering the new things that they encounter. So their their new short-term memory or their anterior grade memory is not working very well. But usually they're very high-functioning people like yourself that it happens to, and then afterwards they're very aware of a subtle change such that, you know, maybe their memory is only average now, whereas before, consistent with all their other abilities, they were high average to superior on lots of things, and their memory was just the same. How often that happens, I'm not quite sure. I don't think there's really evidence on it, to be honest. The most terrifying thing about my TGA was that there was no warning. It was this random act out of nowhere, just reinforcing that you never can tell what's going to come at you in this life. I found I wasn't alone in feeling fearful. Author Helen Garner also had a TGA episode. It is frightening, isn't it? Especially for women like us who, who, you know, think we can kick ass and do things in the world and and that, you know, we feel competent and confident, and then suddenly, wham, something like this hits you. It kind of throws you. Helen, when you went back and looked at your diaries of the time that uh, this TGA episode happened, what did they tell you? What had you written down about it after the fact? The first thing I noticed that I'd written down was that I'd written TGA in big red letters across the day that it happened. Anyway, what I found was there was a lot of detail there that I'd forgotten. And I guess the main thing I remembered was that when this thing happened, I was in the middle of a full-on publicity tour for my book, This House of Grief, which is about the murder trial of a man called Robert Farquharson. Uh, He was the man who drove his three little boys into a dam where they all drowned. I was exhausted by the strain of that project, which had gone on for seven years. It was a period that had just about killed me with this endless misery and wretchedness. And I think the thing that sent me into the blank out at the university at La Trobe that day was probably having to talk about something that happened in that trial, which was referred to as the submergence videos. Those videos were unspeakably dreadful. So apparently when I was speaking to the students about the book, when they started to ask questions, later the lecturer told me that I had become what he called confused and anxious. And it seems to me looking back that 
that must have been the moment when the horror of the story finally caught up with me. And so what I could read out this bit that I wrote in my diary. Everything was going well. I had their attention. No one was looking bored or restless. But some way into the event, my mind cut out or unplugged or the cogs stopped connecting. I do have a tiny fragment of memory. Someone asked me a question and I dropped my gaze to the carpet to try and think of an answer. But my mind seemed to be filling, as the car in the video filled with water, with something I can only call emotional darkness. And after that I don't remember anything until I realised the lecturer was looking down at me and I was still neatly sitting on my chair. I hadn't fainted or keeled over or anything. And he was saying in a calm, pleasant voice, Helen, we're going to take you to the medical centre. So it turned out I hadn't had a stroke. And by then I was quite cheerful. I was a bit embarrassed, but I wasn't worried. And my daughter took me to the Royal Melbourne. We are actually giggling foolishly in the cab, as I remember now. And I had a scan and an ECG. And I was in a quiet cubicle in emergency all afternoon. I was wide awake, but every time I looked at my watch, I found that two hours had passed. I kept on saying over and over the same thing, admiring a watch and watch band that my daughter was wearing that I'd given her. I was treated efficiently and with great kindness by the people there. All the tests came up clear and I, I went home feeling very patriotic about our medical system. Dr Chris Butler again. Once the episode is resolved, all those abnormalities, which are functional abnormalities, if you like, they're to do with the function of the brain rather than the structure of the brain. These functional abnormalities resolve when the brain goes back to working normally. And typically, if you scan people's brains days or weeks or even you know months after a TGA attack, even with really, really high-resolution MRI scans where you can see all the detailed structure of the brain. We can't see anything sort of persistently abnormal that goes on and affects the brain in the long term. I thought maybe there could be a clue to this mystery if I asked Dr Chris Butler what happens to the brain during a TGA attack. A few years ago, um, new types of MRI scans were being done in patients with TGA and uh, eventually we found that there are these very small dots, if you like, of abnormal signal coming back in the brain scans of people who are in the throes of TGA or who have had one in the last 24, 48 hours. There's normally one or, or perhaps two dots that we see in the hippocampus, which is a structure deep in the middle of the brain. You have two hippocampi, one on each side, and these, are, these structures are actually crucially involved in, in memory. So this was the first real demonstration that indeed there is something going on in the brain and it's in the place we, where we would expect it to be, in these critical memory structures in the brain. And this is where the mystery really kicks in. We don't know what causes these dots in the brain. There's something to do with water not being able to move about as freely in this small area of the brain as it normally would be. You know, our brains are in large part water and that water is normally able to move around a bit and there's some seems to be some sort of swelling or something going on in about these these dots are about a millimeter or so in diameter they're very very small and, and we don't know what causes them but at least we found some clue some hint that there's something going on where we would expect it that's the science 
but it doesn't go anywhere near describing the emotional impact of losing your memory and realising what your memory means to you. Helen Garner. I've got a friend who's a psychotherapist and she, she once said to me, bed is mother. And that seems a very meaningful remark to me. I think that you've got to know how far you are from your bed and how you're going to get back to it. And when that breaks down, I think that you, you get a sort of primal panic. This was the panic that I'd felt and wanted to get to the bottom of. My TGA left me with an unknown anxiety I just couldn't shake, and I knew I wasn't alone. Many TGA survivors posting on the members' Facebook page talked about the same thing. Dr Susan Tomlinson again. It can be very destabilising and it can translate to a significant loss of confidence in an individual. Why did it happen to me? Will it happen again? What would happen if I was by myself? Um, What would happen if I was driving, for example? And there's not a lot of answers to that. I guess everybody has different emotional responses. Some people are more pragmatic and say, oh, well, that's interesting and move on. And other people inherently might be more apprehensive about recurrence. So I think that that response is certainly in the normal range of something that is very disruptive uh, during the episode. So now my question became, what is memory exactly? I'd never thought about this question until I lost mine. One minute it was there, just as it always had been, reliable, well, mostly, but in an instant it was gone without me realising it. I found this profoundly disturbing. Memory is such a critical function to our lives and and to have a sense of self and a connection with your life and the people and the relationships and your level of function personally, professionally, is is really comes down to the essence of life. And particularly with the ageing population, there's a lot of apprehension about developing dementias and Alzheimer's disease. And so if your memory is compromised in the short term, I think that would also add to your insecurity about, you know, what if this evolves into dementia. As I said, I'm not aware of any association with TGA and dementia, but I can understand that it would give a sense of insecurity to someone about the future when that happens. So if there is no link between TGA strokes and dementia, I was left wondering what the risk factors for TGA could be. I asked Dr. Susan Tomlinson, I guess the the biggest one is age. So the occurrence of TGA most commonly affects patients in their 60s. It would be very unusual to affect patients that are younger than 50. But I had this nagging memory hole. I asked Dr Chris Butler if it was normal that I still had no memory whatsoever about the day I had my TGA. Yes, that's normal, Dasha. The bit of the brain that's not working properly is this bit of the brain called the hippocampus. And the hippocampus is important for two aspects in memory. So it's important to lay down new memories and it's important to retrieve old memories, so things that you already knew. So typically the most striking thing in TGA is that you can't remember the past during an episode. So when you are amnesic, you can't remember what's happened over the past few weeks or months or even years. As the hippocampus recovers or the brain networks recover after TGA, those memories are then accessible again. So the hippocampus is able to get them, to process them, and and you don't permanently lose your memory for what happened you know, in the days or weeks running up to TGA. But remember, I also said that the hippocampus is important for laying down new memories. So if during a TGA episode, the hippocampus is not working properly, 
then you're not even laying down the memories for what's going on during that episode. That's why people, you know, repetitively question. So those memories are never going to come back because they were never laid down in the first place. So by now, I kind of understand what happened in my brain, more or less, but I'm still really puzzled. I asked Dr Chris Butler if we're getting any closer to understanding why transient global amnesia is such a neurological enigma. Despite 70 years worth of description in, in medical textbooks and the literature and scientific study, we still haven't got to the bottom of this enigma, this very striking clinical syndrome where someone suddenly loses all of their memories and then suddenly seems to get them back again a few hours later and yet at the same time is able to carry on doing all sorts of other types of things that people are able to do like speaking and seeing and hearing and walking around and and, and so forth so it's it's an enigma in that sense that it's a, a very striking thing that doesn't have a clear explanation but you know as with all mysteries this is what teases us as, as, as scientists and as clinicians the most and we love to try and solve these problems and to crack the code if you like. But having been reassured by the experts it still doesn't help me live with the niggling doubts I have being a survivor of this medical mystery. Losing my mind for a day is the scariest thing that's ever happened to me and I never want it to happen again. Whether the TGA code is cracked in my lifetime, only the test of time will tell. The Day I Lost My Mind was made by Dasha Ross, with assistance from Aviva Ziegler and producer James Bullen. I'm Norman Swan. This has been The Health Report. See you next time. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.